0: Hallelujah, and Father, we lift up the name of Jesus in this house today. We give you glory, honor, and power, and majesty, and dominion. We thank you because you're our Father, and you are in heaven, and so this morning we say hallowed be your name. We say, Lord, let your will be done in this place today, and let your kingdom come in our lives. We ask, Lord, that at the end of this service, that the name of Jesus will be exalted, Father, right now I take authority in the realm of the Spirit, and I bind every spirit that is not of God, and I command you to leave right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, it is written where the Spirit of the Lord God is, there is freedom. Let the freedom of the Spirit come upon us today. Let the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. And Father, we promise to give you all the glory. For we ask by faith, and the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. And the people of God say, Amen. 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 Please be seated. Please be seated. Well, good afternoon, Kensington Temple. Uh, It's a privilege and an honor to be here once again to minister to you and to say thank you to Pastor Colin for asking me to come and minister to you today, this very first Sunday of November. Amen i also like to welcome everyone watching on the internet right now. Maybe you are downloading or you are watching live. God bless you. Thank you for being part of this uh, service today. And also across the road in the coronet uh, to Christian and Tony and the team there. God bless you. Thank you for the good work that you are doing. And for those of you at the back in the overflow and downstairs in the other flow, overflow, God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. A couple of Months ago, I started a study on the book of Ephesians, and I've been on it for for some time now, and... um I've been teaching uh, for almost eight to ten weeks on the, on the book of Ephesians in our fellowship in Walthamstow, as most of you would know. Um, and if you, you know, a pastor, one of our satellite churches in Walthamstow uh, in the northeast of London, um, also one of Pastor Colin's uh one of his disciples, uh, if, you are, if you are, you know, meeting me for the first time. Um, And so I've been teaching on the book of Ephesians and I was saying at the nine o'clock service that I felt that I was terribly wronged and uh, robbed when I was a Christian, when I was a new Christian, because nobody sat me down and taught me out of the book of Ephesians. Nobody taught me who I am in the Lord, you know, take me through that, you know, the whole book of Ephesians. Um, And I think it's a a necessary thing for us to do uh, to get people into the kingdom and teach them out of the book of Ephesians. Uh, Theologians and Bible scholars tell us that the book of Ephesians uh, is the queen of all the epistles of Paul. It's the bank of the believer, it's the treasure house of Christians. And so it's where we go to to draw on the resources that Jesus has purchased for us on the cross of Calvary. It's a place where we go to find our identity and know who we are in Christ, and also to know those things that are available for us uh, as, as power, in the name of Jesus Christ. If I'm to give a title to my message today, I'll say power to deliver. Power to deliver. And so if you've got your Bibles, please go with me to the book of Ephesians. And I want to start reading from chapter 3. And to go right, right into the middle of the, of the epistle. And read the last two verses in chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. And we'll take it you know, from there. Ephesians 3. 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. Amen. One of the mind-blowing things that... Paul had to tell us in the book of Ephesians, is that there's a power that is at work in us that we are not able to comprehend. If we know the power that is at work in us, Paul says here that when we connect with that power, there's nothing that we can ask from God that is too much. That is too much. He says that because of him, now to him who is able This is not about you and I being able to do anything. This is about God, the Almighty, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Yahweh, the El Shaddai, the Great I Am, the Mighty One of Israel, the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley. The one that delivered his children from the, from, the, from, from the Egyptians with a mighty hand. The one that took them across the Red Sea. The one that brought water from the rock. The one that fed them manna for 40 years in the wilderness. The one that made sure that their clothes did not become rags and their feet were not swollen. The mighty one of Israel. Paul says in this epistle that, When we connect with him, there's nothing we can ask or think that he's not able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above our imagination because of the power that he's deposited in us. Today, at least in Europe and in the Western world, Christians are being pushed to, to almost become, we are almost all becoming uh, apolo- uh, apologists for the faith. We are always on the defense, and I have nothing against, you know, apologetics. I was taught quite a few uh, uh, of the principles of apologetics when I was in the Bible school. And they're good. We must, we must, we must, we must give a reason for the, for the hope that we have within us. But the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ... It's an offensive weapon against the devil. That was why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation for them that believe. It is the power of God unto salvation. so this power is within us that we are not really able to comprehend the, 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 the extent of it. And we are not even, we are not required to comprehend. We are just required to believe. We are required to look at the cross. We are look, required to look at the price Jesus paid. We are required to look at the reasons why God did what he did for us and connect with this power by believing. By believing. And so in chapter one, if you go with me to chapter one from verse 15, Paul began to write to these Ephesians. <laughs> After he stole them from Verse 3, that blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And theologians and Bible scholars tell us that from verse 3 to verse 14, is one single statement. Paul just couldn't stop talking to these Ephesians about the blessings of God. He started from verse 3 and he, he didn't take a breath until he got to verse 14. It's the longest statement in the Bible, in the Greek. That's what we are told. And so in, from verse 3 to verse 14, he began to tell us, as he wrote to the Ephesians, he began to tell us the blessings of God, how we have been chosen before the foundation of the world. Now, you may have read Jeremiah, the, 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 the uh, prophet, chapter 1, where God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I ordained you to be a prophet. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I had you on my mind. But for you and I as Christians, who had been ransomed by the blood of the Lamb, no, 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 no. He knew us before the foundation of the world. <laughs> Before the foundation of the world, he knew us. He predestined us to be acceptable in the Father. We are the most privileged people on the face of the earth. And when I look at the book of Ephesians and I'm saying to myself, come on, praise, what is the matter with you? You are blessed, you are chosen, you are predestined Jesus has invested power in you what is the matter with you that's what I tell myself every day look myself in the mirror and I tell myself I am not an ordinary person I can never be an ordinary person I am an extraordinary person I don't know about you but I am a supernatural person (laughs) and I thank Jesus I thank Jesus that I don't have to pay for it. Like the songwriter said, it didn't come cheap, but I got it for free. It's the hope of glory, Christ in me. I thank God that Jesus paid the price to make me a supernatural person. I thank my God that he has blessed me with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. And I don't have to pay for it because I can never pay for it. That's why we love Jesus. That's why we worship Jesus. That's why we follow Jesus. That's why we must never be afraid to proclaim the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. From verse 3 to 14, Paul began to expound. This is who you are. You are chosen from the foundation of the world. You are blessed, not just with some, not just with a little, but with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. This this is what God has done for you. He planned it. It was because of the riches of his glory. It was, God just, he showered on us. All of his resources in heaven. And Paul says he did it with all prudence because God is not wistful. He never does anything without a purpose. And so if you go with me to to verse 15, Paul says, Therefore I also, that's chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Let me pause there for a minute. John says, You cannot say you love God if you don't love your brother or your sister. How can you love the one you have not seen when you can't love the one you can see? So, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is followed by the love for the brethren. So, make up. Make up with that sister next to you, that brother next to you. You know that? <laughs> that one that offended you, let it go. Okay? Forgive them because we cannot live one, or, one more day without forgiving each other. We cannot say we love God when we don't love our brother and our sister. No, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ comes with an attachment. Our love for the brethren. Our love for each other. I'm trying, Gabby. I'm trying. Hallelujah. Because when we love, even when we are unlovable, even when we find people that are unlovable, but we choose to love, we demonstrate the mercies of God that we have received. Because when you go to chapter two, Paul began in verse one, but you were dead in your sins and in your trespasses. We all were dead in our sins and in our trespasses. And then he got to verse five, he said, He started in verse 1, but you, you were dead in your sins and your trespasses. In verse 5, he said, but God, but God, who is rich in mercy. In mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy. Love brings the mercy of God. The faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the love for the brethren, Right there in the middle it's like a sandwich. You know when you when you put your tuna, your cheese, uh, and your and you sprinkle it with some little grains just to leave to, to eat healthy. <laughs> that the green right there, that is the is the most important for healthy living. That's the mercy of God. Now, now that's not in the Bible, I'm just making that up. Okay, because I don't want anybody writing to Pastor Colin and saying who is that man on the platform that was calling the mercy of god greens in the sandwich (laughs) that's just trying to make it a bit you know pictorial the mercy of god your love for the brethren and then he goes on in verse 16 he says because of this i do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers making mention of you in my prayers and then verse 17 that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom. Some some, uh, uh, Bible scholars tell tell us that it should be a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In the knowledge of him. In the knowledge of him. Paul says, there's a knowledge that we need to have. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to to help me this afternoon to, to, to help you to connect with this knowledge the knowledge i said knowledge i a level of knowledge that we must have about jesus I, I used to be very cheeky with bible school students when i was in uh, when i was in the bible school when i was walking in the bible school years ago gabriel feels like you know 100 years now since i was last in the bible school and when i when i teach hermeneutics to the bible school students The first lecture, the very first five minutes of the lecture is usually a test. Can you imagine? This guy walks in to introduce you to hermeneutics, and the first thing he does is give you a test. And the test, you know, the questions are very simple. Who is the father and the mother of Moses? (laughs) How many years did it take Rebecca to have a child? You know, Isaac's wife. And then the very, very cheeky one, Three wise men came to visit Jesus when he was in the manger or wherever he was then. And of course, the first two questions are very, you know, very crafty. It's a very crafty. But the third one, everybody writes, three, three wise men. But when you read the Bible, it just says wise men came. The only thing was that they brought three gifts. But because right from when we were in, uh, in uh, Sunday school... We've been taught to sing, we three kings of Oriental, now we bring. (laughs) And the thing is, we get familiar with the word of God. And so we don't look deep into the word of God. We, we take our Bible reading and we just flip through and we think we know it already. No, you don't. The Word of God is new every day. It is new every day. and That's where the power to walk miracles lies in the Word of God. Because what you've read for years, you can wake up in the morning and the Holy Spirit can give you a new dimension. I was taught in Bible school that... There are two telos, the intention of the writer. There are two telos when you read the Bible. Telos means intention. That's the telos of the author, and that's the telos of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit inspired men to write the word that we read today. And Paul is wanting, he's wanting to break something open to the Ephesians. He calls it the mystery that was not revealed before. So the prophets was not revealed to the men of the old, but has now been revealed to his apostles and prophets. Paul says there are some mysteries that God keeps, secrets that God keeps for himself. In fact, the, the, the psalmist says the secret things belong to our God, but those things that he has revealed is given to us. It's a secret when Jesus is coming back. God is holding that close to his heart. We don't know it's a mystery. We don't know. So Paul says that there are some mysteries in the Bible that God has given to him, especially for those of us who are of the Gentile stock. And he says, unless God opens your eyes and my eyes, we will miss it completely. We will have no understanding. And when you read in the scriptures where Jesus Christ said, the works that I do, you will do. The first thing your mind thinks about as a Christian and my mind thinks about is Is he saying I too will raise Lazarus from the dead? And he didn't just stop there saying, The works that I do, you will do also. He also says, Greater works than this you will do. Now that blows my mind. So I'm beginning to agree more and more with Paul in Ephesians that says, It the, the exceeding greatness of God's power that is at work in us, it's something that we cannot think or understand. When you come to that point, there's only one thing left to do, only believe. And I must say that when I was, in, when I was living in Africa, I didn't have to always examine myself if I was still in the faith. Not that I backslide, not that I don't believe in Jesus anymore, but it's much, much easier to believe in miracles. It's much, much easier there to believe in the power of God to deliver. Number one, there's no NHS. Hmm. (laughs) Number two, There is no job center to sign on and sign off. (laughs) Number three, there is no tax working credit. (laughs) There is no job seekers allowance. (laughs) So as a Christian, when you find yourself in a difficult situation, there's only one thing to do, to connect with the power of God that is at work in you. You come to a place and you have no choice but to live by faith. Even when you manage to raise money to take a loved one to hospital or you go to hospital, you still have to trust God that the doctor will do the right thing. That cancer will not be misdiagonized as malaria. And so constantly, we are having to depend on the word of God to survive. But when you come to Europe, it's like the story that uh, I had from a pastor. We call it the preacher's story. This pastor came from Africa and was about to take the offering like Gabriel So let me assure you that God is able to meet all of your needs. And everybody said, amen. Let me tell you, when you are sick, you cry out to God and God heals you. You don't waste your money to buy, to buy drugs and go to doctors and all that stuff. After the offering, somebody came to him and said, pastor, you know, we don't have to really pray. When we are sick, we just need to call the ambulance. (laughs) (laughs) I go to the GP, he writes me a prescription. I go to the pharmacy, I collect my prescription, it's free of charge. (laughs) So, really, you got to come with something else about. Why I have to give an offering? It's just where he's coming from. For him to live a healthy life, he has to pray. For his children to go to school, he has to pray. And not just praying, but also connecting with this power that is at work in us. And so Paul goes on in this passage of Ephesians in 1, chapter 1, in verse 17, says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, the hope of his calling. Now, the hope of his calling is the purpose for which God has deposited his power in us this unbelievable power his call upon your life his call upon my life Uh, it's not just people who stand on the platform to preach to teach and to do whatever that are called we are all called into the ministry by Jesus And when you get to Ephesians chapter four, Paul begins to break it down, saying, look, for those who are called into the fivefold ministry, the reason why they've been called into that ministry and endowed with that that ability is so that they can equip the saints of God. That's you and I. Isn't it wonderful that you don't have to go to Rome and wait on the queue for the Pope to make you a saint? (laughs) Part of the blessings that come with being blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, is that you are righteous, say amen. Amen. You are holy, say amen. Amen. And you are a saint, say amen. amen. That's who you are. And that's who I am. And Paul makes that very, very clear. That when the power of God delivered us from darkness into light, Jesus on that cross said, it is finished. And when he said it was finished, excuse me, it was finished. Amen. And so Paul says, connecting, saying, your eyes need to be opened. Because that's the reason why he made you holy, that's the reason why he made you righteous, that's the reason why you're a saint. It's because of his calling upon your life. His purpose for you, his plan for you. Like he said to Jeremiah, before I formed in you, your mother's womb, I knew you. And I have ordained you for this purpose. So God has a calling upon our lives. It may not be into the fivefold ministry. It may be into any, but he has a call upon your life to be fruitful. When you look through the Bible from Genesis, right, from Genesis, it's with God is fruitfulness. The call is fruitful, to be fruitful. In Genesis chapter 1, he said, Let's make man in our own image and after our own likeness. Let's do this, let's do that, okay? And then the Bible says, he blessed them. And he said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. When he, he wiped out that generation and chose Noah, Noah came out of the ark, offered his sacrifice. Uh, God said to him, be fruitful and multiply. When he called Abraham, it's about, you will be father of many nations. Not just one nation, but many nations. And then Jesus in chapter 15 of John says, I have chosen you and appointed you to bear fruit, that your fruit will remain. So there's something about fruitfulness with God. I am one of those people who believe that a Christian cannot be barren. Biologically and spiritually. Because the ability to be fruitful is in us. Paul says, look, it's God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ever think or ask, but that power is in you. And so Paul says to Timothy, understand that there was something that was placed within you. You need to go and stare it up. Stare it up. It's there. Stare it up. It's there. Stare it up. Because unless we stare it up, We will continue to go through life thinking we are powerless people. And yet, the power that is within you cannot be stopped by any nuclear weapon. Oh, I'm going to prove it to you right now. Thank you for that two and a half amens. You see, the two and a half amens is a very good example of how Unless God opens our eyes of understanding, we will not believe it. Are you following me? I'm praying that your mind will be renewed today. Because for too long, as Christians, we've walked around like this. We are nothing. We are the worm. No, Jesus didn't die on the cross to make you a worm. He, he He didn't... He didn't tell Paul, inspire Paul to tell us that there's a power that we cannot comprehend within us because we are worms. Oh yeah, he's our king. When we come before him, we worship him. He knows that. He didn't didn't die and raise us up to sit with him in the heavenly places as worms. I don't think so. I'm not a worm. I am a king. You may think he is so arrogant. Yes, I am. The reason why I'm a king is not because <laughs> I was born in Windsor Castle or, <laughs> or I was raised in Buckingham Palace. The reason why I'm a king is because my father is the king of kings and the lord of lords. If he's the king of kings, definitely I'm a king. And we can try cross breeding as much as we like. A lion will never give birth to a worm. Oh yes. A lion will never give birth to a worm. And if my father is the lion of the tribe of Judah, I am a lion. Now, Satan can pretend to be a lion going to and fro, roaring, pretending like he's the lion. No, I have news for you today. He is not a lion, Jesus is the lion. It's a decision. It is a decision by you, by me, to say, I refuse to be intimidated. I refuse to be intimidated. Years ago, the Holy Spirit said to me, and I was just two years old in the Lord, you've got to go and pull down the altar of Baal in your father's house. Scripture from Judges chapter 6, the story of Gideon. So I left the city of Lagos and went to my hometown, thinking, yeah, you know, i just talk to my father, preach to him. My father was a very, very serious man. He <laughs> was an enigma. That's what I believe the Holy Spirit said to me about him. He was a very complicated man. I don't have time to go into all the story. But I spent one month with him, and everything I learned about deliverance, I learned by watching him. There were people that would come to my house and consult with him, He would consult with people, he would speak to spirits, and all that stuff. And after I spent one month with him, the Holy Spirit, I don't know what background you are from, but please don't let anybody tell you not to speak in tongues. Don't let anybody tell you not to speak in tongues. You go do your own research from both sides and decide whether you want to be a powerful Christian or not. If you don't speak in tongues, I can tell you, if you are genuinely born again, you still make heaven. You just won't operate in power. And then the Holy Spirit said to me, go and pray in his office where he consults with people in tongues. And so for three days, I wake up in the morning, and when he's not at home, I go there and pray in tongues. I'll pray and pray and pray in tongues. And then finally, the day I left home, I I took all of his occultic stuff and I I, I set fire to it. I burnt it with his hands. Then I had to run. Because one of the old women in the, in the compound came to me and said, son, you need to leave. I saw your dad with a machete. <laughs> He's promised that before this day comes to an end, your head will be separated from your body. So I went out through the back door, and my, 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 my bag, my traveling bag was passed over to me over the face, I will never forget it in my life. <laughs> that was the last time I saw my dad alive, but something took place in the realm of the spirit. Because before he died, he gave his life to Jesus. Hallelujah! Glory! <laughs> So every time, every time the devil tries to show me the picture of my father with a machete trying to cut me, I turn to the Holy Spirit. He assures me that he's in heaven. And so that neutralizes the power of Satan in my mind. So about four years ago, my cousin came to England for a, a conference. And I hadn't seen him for 15 years. So we sat in a park down the road. And we're talking about old times, and I was asking him, have you, because he was very close to my dad, he was like the apprentice in the house. In fact, there are some times when he and my dad will argue about what needs to go into that con- con- concussion and what should be there. I mean, he, he, he became strong himself. And he said, sometimes my dad would try to keep some things away from him. You know, said, just go and do that. I said, no, dad, but... There's still two things you need to add. So how did you know? I, said, I just know. So I was asking him, are you going to make heaven? So he gave me his testimony how when he was in the uni, demons would come and oppress him. And he got to a point that he, he realized that he, he didn't want to continue with his life. So he said he sat there on the bench in the uni one day and said, well... Let death come. I'm tired of this. He was about to give up. But then he remembered my knees always told him, when you come to this point in your life, just remember the name of Jesus. The name that is above all names. So he sat there on the bench and said, Lord Jesus, if you deliver me from these things, (laughs) I'll follow you for the rest of my life. And bam, they lifted and never to come back. Because of the power in the name of Jesus. The power to deliver. And so we continued to talk and he said, you know, one thing that really, that helped me move forward in my, because now he's a deacon in his church in Nigeria. One of the things that made me really, really move, you know, wanting to know this Jesus was what dad said to me when I went to beg for you. He went to beg my dad not to curse me because I burnt his stuff. He said, You know, daddy said that the thing that really shocked him and embarrassed him was that boy. And now, he had, you know, I've got five siblings. I'm the last of six. That boy. (laughs) The thing that really shocked me and perplexed me was that after he left home, I went and got my stuff together and I began to invite those spirits to come back. And they said, we're not coming. We're not coming. And he said, but why? And they said to him, because your son forbid us to come. Your son said, we cannot, we must never come back to this house. It is the power that is at work in you. I'm not telling you a story from the pages of the Bible and you say, oh, well, that's Elijah. He's a man of, you know, that's Joseph. That, you know, that's not me. No, I'm talking of, and I have never been to Bible school at this time. I was just two years old in the Lord. But I believed that I could pull down the altar of Baal in my father's house. What do you believe? What do you believe? Because we stop believing what we are supposed to believe. Because of the news that the, the, the news media keep pumping at us, everything that is being thrown at us, everything that we are receiving, 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 everything is about Jesus. Is not this, Jesus is not that. When he... hey, it's a lie. This is the only truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth that sets free is information. The knowledge of Jesus. The knowledge of Jesus. So Paul says, "I'm praying that he'll give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The knowledge here, scholar, tell us, it's not just about, oh, I know. Oh, I know Gabriel. I know you know, but you don't really know who he is really on the inside. And he's a good guy, like Gabriel, when he wants to be. Awooo." Ah, <laughs> Amen. But the knowledge here is the intimate knowledge of God. Intimacy. Intimacy. So in John 15, Jesus Christ said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask anything and it shall be done for you. Because then he glorifies my Father, and then people will know you are my disciples. And then you can bear fruit, much fruit, and your fruit will remain. If you abide in me, and I in you, and your words abide, and my words abide in you, you have connected with the power that created the heavens and the earth. The power that created the heavens and the earth. And now, Paul goes on in this Ephesians. He says in 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the, of, his, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. He didn't say the exceeding greatness of his power towards the preacher on TV. Or towards Benihin alone, or towards Colin Di alone, or towards Joyce Meyer alone, or towards whoever your favorite preacher is on the TV. No, he says, This power is available to you because you believe. And every time you believe his word, this power is available to you. It is the power. That is at work in you that God will use to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ever think or ask. (laughs) Every time we connect with this power, deliverance comes. Liberty comes. Freedom comes. Every time we connect with this power. Beautiful story in the Bible. The story of the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus was going to the house of Jairus, the ruler of the temple. His daughter was ill at the point of death, so he came to Jesus. Jesus, I know your power can save my daughter from the sickness. Your power can heal my daughter from her sickness. Please come and heal my daughter. And Jesus Christ said, let's go. I'll come and heal your daughter. But as they were going, Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? And blessed Peter, the apostle Peter, the great apostle Peter. You know, he's always the one at the pearly gates. He's always the one giving things. But he was also the one that had foot and mouth. He was the one who said to Jesus, you're not going to the cross. He was the one who said to Jesus, "You you know, I forbid you to go to the cross and I won't deny you. Anyway, let's leave apostle Peter. He did his own. (laughs) <laughs> I need to do my own, amen. <laughs> and Peter said, Lord, can't you see people around you? Everybody's shoving you and pushing you. And, 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 and you know, everybody's wanting to be, to be next to you. And everybody's just, everybody's around you. People are, and you are saying, who touched me? Oh, come on, Lord, wake up and smell the coffee. Everybody's, you know, but Jesus Christ said, no, someone touched me. Because I felt power going out of me. And the Bible says that the woman, knowing that she was found out, came to Jesus and said, I am the one. And he began to tell Jesus the story. I had issue of blood for so many years. I've been to the doctors. I've been to the physicians. I went to Dr. So, Dr. So, Dr. So, Dr. So. All they did was took my money and they did stuff to me. But I wasn't healed. At this point, Jairus was beginning to eye the woman. He's become uncomfortable because this testimony is taking too long. Reminds me of a woman in my home church, back home in Nigeria. When she comes on the platform to give a testimony, everybody goes, oh. Because when she takes the microphone, she comes like this. A very typical African mama. She comes like this. Brethren, praise the Lord! (laughs) Her praise the Lord alone takes care of (laughs) everything. And this woman with the issue of blood, her testimony was so long that by the time she finished, and Jesus Christ said, Go, your faith has made you whole. There were people from Jairus' house that said, don't trouble Jesus anymore, your daughter is dead. (laughs) At that point, you know, this is not in the Bible, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm trying to explain how Jairus may have felt. It was like, the next time I see you in the temple. (laughs) And Jesus understood how Jairus was feeling. But the Bible says that Jesus turned to him and said, only believe. Only believe. What do you believe, child of God? Do you believe that this power is available to you? Scholars tell us that in that verse 19, Paul used four Greek words to talk about the power. The dynamite power of God, explosive power, dunamis. He talked about the operating power of God. He talked about the power that that Jesus endows us with. And then he talked about the ultimate power of God. And he said, because you are a believer, this power is available to you. So by the time you get to chapter 6 of Ephesians, Paul says, My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. When you are strong in the Lord and in the power of him, then you can put on the whole armor of God and then you are ready to go to war. Because now Jesus arms you with the offensive weapon, his word. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We have to come back to this. But I know today there are people here You're thinking, look, Mr. Preacher, man. What you have said, yes, is from the Bible, but. And that's the problem. The but. The only but that is important is the but that says, but God, who is rich in mercy. Because there's nothing you and I could have done to earn what I'm talking about. And that's why all Jesus requires is for us to believe and enjoy. Come on here, Claudette. Come on, let's 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 come and help me and let's finish. Hallelujah. There was one woman that was brought to Jesus. We just know her as the woman that was caught in adultery. One day, Jesus was talking to people, and here come came some men, and they brought her in and they shoved her in the presence of Jesus, and they said to Jesus. We caught this woman in the very act of adultery we caught her in adultery she came bound before the Messiah they had stones in their hands they said to Jesus the law of Moses says she ought to die she must die she broke the law but rabbi what do you say and the Bible says that Jesus stooped down. I, w- I always wondered why he stooped down. Some wise preacher said he stooped down and he was writing the names of all the men at the heartstones. <laughs> Jeremiah, <laughs> you were in her room five days ago. <laughs> Zechariah, she was in your house three days ago. <laughs> Nehemiah, <laughs> You took her to dinner last night. (laughs) Well, I want to believe that that was not what Jesus was doing. I want to believe, I I want to believe that when Jesus took down, what he was writing on the floor was his manifesto in the book of Isaiah. For the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news to this poor woman. He has sent me to set her free. Set the captives free. To tell of the acceptable year of the Lord. To say to her, today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. And the Bible says that he stood up again and looked at at her accusers and said, Well, which one of you that has no sin? Cast the first stone. And the Bible says that they all from the oldest to the youngest. They threw down their stones. And they walked away. In the first place, they caught the woman in the very act of adultery. But she was the only one that was brought. And if we are not going to be insane people, it takes two to commit adultery. (laughs) The question is, why was the woman, why was the man? And after they left, the Bible says, Jesus stooped down again and looked at the woman whose head was bowed in shame. And she's, woman! And she lifted up her head and she was beholding her Savior. She was looking at the author and the finisher of her faith. And she said, where are those who are condemning you? And the woman looked around, looked around and looked back at Jesus and said, no one, Lord. You know, Super nannies on TV tell us that when you want to correct a child, don't stand and point down at them and say, Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) They tell us to come down to their level and talk to them. There was no way the Messiah could have saved us if he hadn't come down to our level. He came down to our level. And when he came down to our level he said to the woman my dynamic power has just come to break the chain. Break the chain. Hallelujah. And then he said to the woman I don't condemn you Because the woman had already said, when when, when he said to her, where are those who condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. Oh, she acknowledged him as Lord. Hallelujah. And the Lord of glory said, neither do I condemn you. And then she empowered her with the endowing power, and the ultimate power, and said, now you go and rule over sin. Go and sin no more. And so, the Savior set her free with the power. The power to deliver. The power to save. The power to live holy. The power to live righteous. The power to so know that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. The power that tells you you are supernatural, the power that tells you you are not ordinary, is the power of the Savior. And so the woman said to Jesus, What did she say? My chains are gone, Hallelujah. I've Hallelujah. been set free. My God, my Saviour has ransomed me And like a flood His mercy reigns Unending love, amazing grace Hold on a minute, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 4 We can boldly come before the throne of grace. When we come before that throne of grace, the writer of Hebrews says the first thing that meets you is mercy. You know that grain in between your sandwich. The mercy of God. Because from the throne room of God issues out lightnings, fire, thunders. That if we did if we come before the throne of God without his mercy embracing us, we will be destroyed. Now when that woman was brought in shame, in pain, looking at death, it was the power of the mercy of God. Because, but God, who is rich in mercy, set her free. You are here today. I want you to bow your your heads right now. Everybody in this place, in this sanctuary, please bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to call you to come and know the Savior. The one who wants to set you from the shame of the past. You are here. You've not given your life to Jesus. My time is up. I'm not going to pray. In the coronet, on the internet, in the overflow behind me, downstairs in the, in, in the basement. I want you to come to Jesus. I don't know what, what brought you to Jesus today. But I want you to know, like Jairus, your situation may, may have changed yesterday. Because with Jairus, her daughter, his daughter has just died. His case has just become complicated. Maybe at work, in your business, in your marriage. Everything is a bit complicated. But Jesus wants you to know that your circumstances and situations may have changed. His power has not changed. His grace has not changed. His mercy has not changed. You can come to the throne of grace today. And if you're here today with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, you want to surrender to Jesus, you want to acknowledge him as Lord. Like that woman that was dragged before him in shame, in pain, in chains. You want him to break that chain of you. You want to come to know him as Lord. I want you to lift up your hand wherever you are in the auditorium, in the coronet. Lift that hand up. I will acknowledge it. Somebody will come and stand with you. Come on, come on, come on. There's someone here. You need to give your life to Jesus. Just lift that hand up above your head. My brother upstairs in the balcony. Just lift lift that Anybody, anybody here, you want to lift up your hand to come to Jesus? There's a man, a a brother right there in in the transept. You want to come to know him as Lord. You want to come to know the dynamic power, the ultimate power, the power that can set you free. You want to know that power. Lift that hand up. Somebody will see it. Consolidators, please help me. Help me. Just lift that hand above your head. When I see it, I'll call you. There's a brother there on the balcony up there. You want to come to know Jesus as Lord. You want that power to walk in your life to set you free. Hallelujah any other person the consolidators will take you to the back after the service they will speak to you They will let you know what you ought to do. There's another brother there. I have two people in this transept Consolidators, please move quickly. Okay. Thank you very much Hallelujah Now I want to pray for every other person in this place Maybe you came with shame Maybe you came with pain Maybe just this morning you had a phone call that changed something about your life and your circumstances. But I want you to know that Jesus is here today and he wants to set you free. As so I want you to lift up your hands to heaven as I pray over your life right now. In the coronet on the internet, lift those hands up before Jesus. Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters, for everybody watching on the internet and the coronet. Your life has been turned into something else as a christian you are oppressed you are depressed shame seems to be locking. your marriage is shaking your children are away you have loved ones who are on drugs in the name of jesus i ask that the power that raised jesus christ from the dead that set him on the throne at the right hand of god the father the power that is at work in every believer begin to work in your life right now in the name of jesus I ask oh God that the power that broke the chains of the woman that was caught in adultery will break every chain I pray that the blood that ransomed us will ransom you from the oppression of the enemy in the name of Jesus it is written he who the son sets free is free indeed where the spirit of the Lord God is there is freedom there is liberty let freedom come upon your life now in the name of Jesus I pray that you never go away the same. You will now return the same way you came. Because this day you've been in the company of prophets. You have been turned into another person. And as you go from here today, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, let occasions begin to serve you. In the name of Jesus. Let there be a turnaround in your marriage. Let there be a turnaround in your business. Let there be a turnaround in everything that pertains unto you let your home enjoy the peace of God the peace of God that passes all understanding let the truth of the word of God set you free for you will know the truth and the truth will set you free let it be so my father in the mighty name of Jesus Christ my chains are gone